Now, this, I think most of you know this. We did this, this, this series back in November of last year. And what I did last year, if you remember, um, if you were here, um, is that I just sort of took the whole month of November and did a Thanksgiving message each, each Sunday then, and, which was kind of fun. I actually enjoyed that. And uh, I think it was helpful. But this particular one, I'm, I'm using the same passage in the Bible, but I've changed a few other things like I like, I like to do. But I did, I did something different too because of my, my great concern for you. Um, I did a little, little research project um, on being blessings of disappointment or the blessing of disappointment and disappointments. Uh, I did a little research project this weekend just to kind of especially for this particular message to add a little different flavor to it. Here's what it did. With a friend of mine, um, um, uh, my wife and I, another couple, and a friend of mine who, who, who owns a racehorse, went to Saratoga Springs. And um, my first time there. And what a cultural experience that is. Let me just say this the whole horse thing. And, and it's kind of cool, actually. And I went the way you should go. I went with a guy who owns a horse and, and you know, he's got a nice, nice table right there on the finish line. And, you know, you kind of you weed your way through steerage and all these commoners and everything. And they're all, you know, they're all jeans and shorts and just look like, yeah, yeah. And, and we, of course, are in, you know, nice jackets and ties and stuff. And, and uh, although my wife didn't wear a hat, I was a little disappointed in that. But there were many hats there. Um, Anyway, it's interesting to me how you talk about, it's a study in disappointment. Because while some people are cheering, you see other people, and, you watch, and that's half the fun, not just watching the horses. Some people are cheering at other people, you know, yeah, and other people are, you know, every time, every race, you have that going on. And in fact, one of, our, one, of our, one of my friends who was there with us at the table, he was like, I never win these things. You know, I'm going to throw in, you know, but might as well give this to the church because I'm not going to get one anything here. And he's just kind of whiny, you know, and just kind of, oh, well, you know, this is kind of fun. And then he hits the trifecta. Now, if you don't know what the trifecta is, that means you bet a horse to finish first, second, and third. And they finish first, second, and third. Which, I, I mean, I mean, you talk about, it's like, and, and, and 12, just in case you're wondering, $12 got him $900. So um, his attitude changed dramatically. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm like, you really have come alive here, haven't you? What happened to my complaining, whining friend earlier? Where, where'd you go? What'd you, what'd you do, you know, who were you and what did you do with the real guy that was in there before? You know? Anyway, um, unfortunately... Life often is like that. Things that just get you down and something else happens and then we're up. And then something else happens and we're down. Um, and unfortunately, very unfortunately in life, we're not always talking about horse races. We're talking about real live issues. We're talking about when, when disappointment happens and, 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 and maybe it breaks a friendship or a marriage tears up a home or a business um, or someone's health or their children are somehow put in harm's way, uh, whether, it be, whether it be self, you know, chosen or whether it be not. So, And those disappointments just come. And, and in life, you, you, there are just so many opportunities in life for disappointment, expectations that aren't met. 
Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in your own life. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in some other form of life. I want to make a statement, and I'm going to unpack it really the whole time here that I have this morning. And the statement is this. It's real simple, and it's, 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 it looks, it's going to look kind of weird when I first tell you about I first read it to you here, and you read it. But it, just, just stay with me on it. Because I, what my goal here is that you will leave here with a little more of this confidence of a God-lining in, li- in life's disappointments can soften some of their sting. Just think about that statement. Confidence of a God lining in life's disappointments can soften some of their sting. Let me explain the, 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 just the term to you. The, the term God lining, is, I kind of made that up. And, and, and what I mean by that is that God has a way of no matter who causes it, my fault, somebody else's fault, nobody's fault, And it's certainly not God's fault. But when disappointment comes, God has a way of lining those disappointments of life in a way that can help us become the people that we are. How many times have you said, I don't want to go through that again, but I'm glad I did because it certainly has had a product that made, you know, the the, the end result has been terrific. And and those things, the the sting doesn't go away, but, but when we think about them, it can be softened. That's why I put it that way. It's not like, you know, trust Jesus and it's all going to be okay. Well, I, I need a little more than that. And certainly I've heard that. So now let me show you another quote um, from Henri Nouwen. And I'm going to just read it to you now. And we're going to talk more about it later. Okay. But that quote goes like this. Gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are steep and hurt and resentful. It's amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. It's amazing how many many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I want to take you to the Old Testament book of Chronicles. And I want to show you a a guy named King David. You've heard of King David. And it was a pretty big disappointment. He doesn't handle it that way. And that's why this whole narrative fascinated me. It was a big disappointment, but you would not have known that had you not, you know, read before and after and and around and so forth. Because this is going to show you not only a positive way of dealing with your disappointments, but it's going to show you what I'm talking about when I say that, that, that you need and we need and that there's a certain confidence of a God lining in life's disappointments that can soften some of the sting. You're going to see that. I'm going to show you how David handles this because exactly what he does and, and, and it's how it works. I'm going to go blow through some of this very quickly just to give you the, the background and the setting of what's going on here. David was the second king of Israel, just for historical purposes. You've got King Saul, who was the first king, didn't last too long. I mean, and, and he was removed from his kingship by God because he disobeyed God in a number of different ways and rebelled against God. Then you have King David, and then you have uh, King Solomon. So you really only have three kings. Now, there's a bunch of other kings in the Old Testament. That's either the southern kingdom of Israel, which was called Judah, or the northern kingdom of Israel, um, which was called Israel. Okay, But you really only have three kings over what we call the united Israel at that time in biblical history. King Saul, King David, and, uh, and King Solomon, David's son. Now, King King. David, at this point in the history of Israel, we're going to join the, uh, the narrative here. Things are going well. The economy's good. You know, they're not at war with anyone. Um, and, and things are, are just really well established 
in Israel, and he's just really thinking about God and what God has done for him. So watch what happens here. Uh, and here it goes in, in chapter 11, verse, two, verse 1. Now, when David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan, chapter 17, I'm sorry. He said to Nathan, Nathan was the Old Testament prophet, sort of, I mean, you could correlate, he's sort of like a pastor. He's the pastor to the king, Okay. And, and he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in this beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out in a tent. And Nathan replied, Go ahead with what you have in mind, for God is with you. Nathan knows what David has in mind. He knows he wants to build God this great temple. So here's what happens. Same night, God said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a temple to live in. I've never lived in a temple from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until now. My home has always been a tent, moving from one place to another. And I've never complained to Israel's leaders, the shepherds of my people. I've never asked them, why haven't you built me a cedar uh, temple? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I chose you to lead my people Israel when you were just a shepherd boy. Verse 8, I've been with you wherever you have gone. Verse 9, I have provided a permanent homeland for my people. Verse 10, from the time I appointed judges to rule my people, I will subdue all your enemies. You go through all these things that God has done for him. I just went through them all. You can go back and read it later if you'd like, chapter 17. Um, But look what happens. Now I declare that the Lord will build a house for you. This is what he's telling Nathan to tell David. That David, I'm going to build a house for you, a dynasty, a legacy for you, a dynasty of kings. King Solomon's going to become a king, his son, so forth. For when you die, I will raise up one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me. I will establish his throne forever. So David's getting the message here. You're not going to do it, David. God is saying, I know you really want to do this. You're not going to do it. You're not going to build me a temple. You're not the guy to do that. Um, Verse 15, Nathan went back to David and told him everything that the Lord had said. So, Here's how David responds to this, because you're not going to see any whining. You're not going to see any, oh, man, I mean, glad my son's going to do it, but, but I really wanted to do this. I mean, I don't know if I can fully communicate to you what a disappointment this had to have on David. He really wanted to do this for God. He really wanted to do it. And God is saying, no, you're not going to do it. First thing that David does, what does he do? Big disappointment. You can't do this. What what, what might we do? Well, we might go see our counselor. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we need to do that. We might, I need a drink. I say, I need a drink. We might say, I don't know. Look what David does. He gets alone with God. It's the first thing he does. Look what happens. Verse 16, King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O Lord, God, and what is my family that you brought me this far? He just says, God, I am so thankful that you are blessing and have blessed and will bless me. Doesn't whine, doesn't, he just gets along with God. And you know, I thought about this point a lot and I thought, do I really need to say this? I mean, our folks know this. Folks at Renaissance who, who come to Renaissance or who visit Renaissance, they, they know this. But you know what? I, I've been doing this a long time, and I've been a, a minister for a long time. And I still sometimes have to think, what am I going to do with this disappointment? Well, I know what I'll do. I'll go get alone with God. Oh. I mean, it, it's, it's such an obvious thing, but for so many of us, 
we, we, we don't. We just forget what, for whatever reason it happens. First thing we should do, disappointment, big disappointment, small disappointment. I just need to get alone with God. And then, and then here's what he does. He, he does something else. He thinks about what he deserves. Let me show you this. This is good because, because here's the issue when we think about what you deserve, okay? Um, I believe one of the greatest keys to unlocking a life of thankfulness and, and a certain degree of positiveness in life I believe one of those keys is just a certain awareness that, that I'm just pretty much a certified, registered, card-carrying sinner that deserves hell or the semblance thereof. You say, boy, that's pretty harsh, Rich. You deserve that? Yeah, I do. Do I deserve that? Yeah, you do. We, all, we both deserve it. We all deserve it. Because we're sinners. We, you know, a sinner is just one who doesn't measure up to God's standard. Misses the mark is what it means. And we've all missed the mark. And, and, and that's just the way, that's why Jesus came. You know, and, and, and one of the things you say, well, I'm not that bad, am I? I mean, I do some good things. Well, yeah, you, you do. I know you do. I do, too. But, but here's the thing. You and I, I'll put that in there. We can also be just one complaining, whiny, self-absorbed, petty, gossipy, grudge-carrying, judgmental, spiritual midget who sometimes blurs the lines between right and wrong and makes ridiculous rationalizations. Oh, you know what? I made a mistake. Um, Judgmental, spiritual midget. I can't say that. Somebody told me in the early service. Spiritual little person. Okay, sorry. (laughs) That pretty much describes it, doesn't it? I can be a spiritual little person. Uh, you know, and, and so can you. And, and so what David does, he gets along with God, and then he thinks about what he deserves. And, and just read some of this. This is just great. King David went and said before the Lord, verse 17, Now God, in addition to everything else you speak of giving me a lasting dynasty, you speak as though I were someone very great, O Lord. Watch this, watch this. What more can I say about the way you have honored me? You know what I'm really like. I pray that prayer a lot. I really do. I was like, God, you know what I'm really like. Help me. He does. You know, we can get all dressed up and put on nice press shirts and clothes and, you know, have my golf shirts dry cleaned and look really good. But God knows what we're really like on the inside. And he loves us even more. Blows me away every time I think about that. You know, David knew what he deserved. And he, he goes on here. <laughs> Verse 19, For my sake, O Lord, according to your will, you've done all these things and, and made them known. So David gets alone with God. He, he, he gets a good understanding of what he really deserves. And then, and then he just kind of reflects on God's greatness. And, 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 the, and the individual blessing of God. Watch, he says, you know, you know what I'm really like? And, and, then, and then verse 21, what other nation on earth is like, is like Israel? You know, sort of a corporate blessing. What other nation, O oh God, have you redeemed from slavery to your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you rescued your people from Egypt. He says, you chose, verse 22, you chose Israel to be your people forever. And you, O oh Lord, have become their God. And he goes on, he says, and, and, and now, O oh Lord, just do as you promised concerning me and my family. So not only, not only does he think about how great God is, but he just thinks about the individual blessings. 
You have blessed me and my family. You ever do that? It used to be an old hymn. Count your blessings. I used to remember singing that when I was a little kid in church. Count your, I can still, I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard that song probably in 20 years. Maybe longer. Count your blessings. I can still remember. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I like that. That's a good thing to do. Especially when you're reflecting on a big disappointment. To stop and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's think about this a little bit. And get along with God. Think about what I really deserve, which is nothing. Think about how great God is and think about his individual blessings upon my life. Listen to me. Look at the now one quote again. Gratitude as a discipline. And just think about that. Gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. A conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are steep and hurt and resentful. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of complaint. You will have many occasions this very day, let alone this week, that will present themselves in which you can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. The question is, will you? Because you see, as we think on this, this truth, this, this confidence that we can have of this God lining in life's disappointments that helps soften some of the sting. As we think about that, it comes because we have this relationship with God made possible because Jesus came from me and you who deserve nothing. And our trust then is in Him who, who, who gave His life for mine and now gives me the ability to have this ongoing conversation with Almighty God because I've trusted Christ. And now God looks at me and He sees the righteousness and, and the goodness that Christ is and does in my life, not just all the sin and crap that's there. You know? And hopefully... Hopefully we're getting better. I know we're, I know we're getting better internally, but hopefully externally things are changing as we continue to deepen that trust and that confidence in God. Not just as God lining things in, in life, but just in, in Christ and who He is. You know, we talk a lot, and I, I just want to say this, and then, and then we're going to have, have a song in a, in a couple of minutes from the group, and, and uh, it's good. It's going to, it's going to come together. But... There are many things that determine our quality of life. There are many things that determine our quality of life, and we talk about quality of life a lot. But one of those things is really how well we handle disappointment. And, and you know, those disappointments come in many, in many ways. Whether it's a bad day at the horse track, which is really pretty minor, let's face it, or whether it's a bad report from a doctor or whether it's hearing of a bad report of a loved one, experiencing whether it be health or financial or, or divorce or, or whatever might be that just, just sometimes just kind of feels like a hitch in the stomach, you know, kind of knocks the wind out of you. Um, 
many things determine our quality of life, one of the greatest will be how we choose to respond to those many occasions that present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of complaint. And as we trust Christ, as we understand what He has done in our life and is willing to continue to do in our life, as we yield to Him, may God give us that ability through the Spirit of God who lives in us to choose to respond with gratitude instead of complaint. Let's pray together. God, we, we are grateful that we can, we can think about these tremendous issues of life. And we pray, God, that as we, um, as we think about choices, choices that we make every day, heck, that we make every couple of hours on how we're going to respond to certain things. Sometimes we don't even think we're making a choice, but we're making a choice. I pray, God, that we would be yielded to the Spirit of God who, who lives in us, giving us that ability to choose gratitude over complaint. And God, when we're in the midst of some of those huge disappointments, help us, as the song says, help us, God, to know, to remember, and to be, and and to remember again that we're never alone. We're never alone. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.